I have found out beat news in depth for you. Good evening, and welcome to Outbeat News In-Depth. I'm Greg Moralia, and we're coming to you tonight live from Denver, Colorado, and the annual Matthew Shepard Foundation Honors Event. It was 16 years ago this month when 21-year-old Matthew Shepard was seduced away from a bar in Laramie, Wyoming, only to be tied to a fence and then brutally beaten. He was unconscious when found some 18 hours later, and then died in a Fort Collins, Colorado hospital five days later. Matthew's murder started an international conversation about hate crimes committed against LGBT people and led to the passage of the federal hate crimes bill in his name in 2009. Today, this annual event celebrates Matthew's life and the work of the Matthew Shepard Foundation. Tonight, we'll begin with a conversation with Matthew's parents, Judy and Dennis Shepard, and hear how they're talking about Matt's story around the world. We'll introduce you to tonight's honorees and much more right after your Outbeat Radio News for this Sunday, October 26th, 2014. I have found Outbeat Radio News, your source for LGBT news from the North Bay and beyond. A federal judge in Puerto Rico has upheld the U.S. territory's ban on same-sex marriage going against the trend of pro-equality rulings over the last year. The Washington Blade reports that U.S. District Judge Juan Perez Jimenez issued the ruling this last Tuesday citing a four-decade-old Supreme Court action and even raising the question of incest and polygamy to argue against marriage equality. Perez Jimenez wrote in his 21-page decision, quote, Because no right to same-gender marriage emanates from the Constitution, the Commonwealth of Puerto Rico should not be compelled to recognize such unions. Instead, Puerto Rico, acting through its legislature, remains free to shape its own marriage policy. In a system of limited constitutional self-government such as ours, this is the prudent outcome. The people and their elected representatives should debate the wisdom of redefining marriage. Judges should not. And in Mexico, nearly 400 advocates from around the world are expected to attend this year's Global LGBT Rights Conference this coming week in Mexico City, where Judy and Dennis Shepard are among those scheduled to speak at the International Lesbian, Gay, Bisexual, Trans, and Intersex Association World Conference. The Shepherds, who have traveled to Jamaica, Poland, and other countries in recent years on State Department-sponsored trips, are scheduled to take part in a panel on families during the ILGA conference with advocates from the U.S., Brazil, and India. They also plan to meet with LGBT children and their parents through the U.S. Embassy while in Mexico City. Judy said, Dennis and I are excited to be able to meet so many amazing activists from ILGA next week. We're very much looking forward to learning from other participants. Rosanna Flamer Caldera, Executive Director of Equal Ground, a Sri Lanka LGBT advocacy group, said, The conference is a unique opportunity to network with fellow activists to ensure there is a constant exchange of ideas and ideas which lead to furthering the LGBTI global movement and making positive changes for LGBTI people all over the world. Ann Lim, founding director of Galang Philippines, an advocacy group that seeks to reduce poverty among LGBT people in her country, said the gathering is a chance to highlight economic disparities as they relate to discrimination. More than 1,000 LGBT organizations throughout the world are members of the ILGA, and we'll hear more about this trip from Judy and Dennis Shepard later in tonight's show. And here locally, a national panel of lesbian, gay, bisexual, and transgender history scholars led by a Sonoma State University professor said that California public schools do an inadequate job of teaching students about gay and lesbian history despite the 2011 Fair and Inclusive Education Act that requires schools to teach such lessons. The Committee on LGBT History has proposed revision to the state history and social studies framework that ensures kindergarten through 12th grade students learn about LGBT figures and role models. According to Don Romsberg, the chairman of the Women and Gender Studies Department at Sonoma State University and the co-chair of the LGBT History Committee, not including LGBT people in public instruction means not reflecting the reality that we live in. It's an omission that needs to be rectified. The 2011 Fair, Accurate, Inclusive, and Respectful Education Act requires that the historical contributions of gays are included in textbooks and lesson plans. As the State Department of Education, for the first time in nearly a decade, revises its history and social science framework, which forms the basis of local school district curricula, 
Romsburg's group submitted a proposal to make sure the state is in compliance with the law. Bill Carl, chairman of the Santa Rosa City School Board, said that, said that teaching gay history has not come up before the board. The district's curriculum is set at the administrative level. He added, we have a law and we have the responsibility to put it into play. People are starting to get the concept that we are all different. We have to be clear in our teachings and embrace that diversity and teach the positive aspects of that. And finally, San Francisco City Supervisor Scott Weiner invites you to join him this Thursday, October 30th for a celebration and block party for the newly completed Castro Street Sidewalk Project. It'll be a chance to hang out with locals and see some fun live performances. The celebration starts at the new Rainbow Crosswalks at 18th and Castro at 6 p.m. and will run until 8 p.m. The streets will be closed to vehicles, but all of the restaurants and businesses will be open for the celebration. And we'll have Supervisor Wiener on our show next month to share more about this huge project. For more information about local LGBT events happening here in the North Bay, go to GaySonoma.com. And if you have news or an event you'd like to share with our listeners, tell us about it by going to our own website at OutBeatNews.com. Follow us all week long on Facebook and Twitter for the latest LGBT news and information from here in the North Bay and beyond. For Gary Carnavelli, I'm Greg Moralia. Outbeat Radio News, your source for LGBT news from the North Bay and beyond. You know, no matter what your HIV status is, talk can still be the perfect foreplay. (laughs) Never stop talking about testing, your status, condoms, and new options like medicines that prevent and treat HIV. Keep the conversation going at cdc.gov slash actagainstaids. We're coming to you live from the Seawool Grand Ballroom at the Denver Center for the Performing Arts here in Colorado. Some 380 people from throughout the United States are here tonight to celebrate the life of Matthew Shepard and honor individuals who've been inspired by Matthew's story and who are out there making a difference for LGBT people in the world. We're at the VIP reception now and here with Judy and Dennis Shepard, who 16 years ago created the Matthew Shepard Foundation in memory of their son. Foundation's mission is to replace hate with understanding, compassion, and acceptance. Judy and Dennis, welcome. It's so great to be here with you tonight. Thanks, Ray. Great to see you here Great to see you again. Fantastic. Uh, Judy, this has been a huge week for marriage equality, uh, particularly in the state of Colorado. And I remember you telling me about a conversation you had with Matt uh, long ago about the possibility of same-sex marriage. Yeah, it was actually in the summer of uh, 98. I was with Matt in his apartment in Laramie, and uh, Time Magazine had a cover story about marriage equality in Hawaii. And um, he asked me if I thought gay couples would ever be allowed to marry. And I said, I don't think I will see it in my lifetime, but you will see it in yours. And ironically, it turned out to be just the opposite. And it's crazy, too. I mean, it just seems like the states this last week, it's, it's fallen like dominoes. Yeah, yeah it's, it's really exciting. It's, it's exciting, and at the same time, you see disappointment in the states that are still, when you know they have to recognize, is still fighting it. Um, it's, a, it's a done deal. Let's just move on to something else, like job protection. Yeah, I think you were talking earlier about how crazy it is that in all of these states now you can be married as a same-sex couple, but you can also then be fired uh, for simply being LGB or T. Right, that absolutely makes no sense. But I, I really think one of the problems is the average American does not know that you can still be fired from your job if you're gay in so many states. I think the average person thinks that, unless they have someone in the community, the average person thinks that the Equal Employment Opportunity Act took care of everybody, but it definitely did not. It didn't. 29 states for being gay or lesbian and 34 states if you are transgender today, you can be fired for simply being who you are. That's right. It's, a, it's an appalling situation. And I find it ironic that today the only people whose jobs are federally protected is the military. Right. Well, Dennis, you've been involved in the foundation for years doing a lot of training. Talk about some of the recent work that you've done really now internationally around the world going to some different countries. Um, we've been traveling with the State Department uh, around the world. We've been to, I think, 15 countries with with uh, a couple more coming up this fall. And it started with uh, President Obama saying that uh, equal rights uh, and gay rights are the same thing and should be 
uh, emphasized by the United States throughout the world. And so Secretary Clinton took that and sent it out to everybody in the State Department saying, gay rights are equal rights, equal rights are human rights, and we will uh, emphasize that everywhere. So the ambassadors of the various embassies started marching in the gay pride parades, and then they invited us as guest lecturers to um, come to various countries to talk about uh, the impact that Matt's life and death had on us and, and how important it was that, that we go out and, and work to have equal rights and eliminate discrimination. So what we really t emphasize is that we're not talking about gay rights because there are no such things, but we're talking about equal rights. And we talk about it from the standpoint of parents who lost um, a child to this discrimination, this hate. Amazing work. Talk about some of the countries that you've had a chance to visit and, and what the reception of your message has been like. Well, to begin with, uh, we, we get shocked uh, in the beginning just because people in this country, in the United States, knew Matt's story. So now we go overseas, and it's even more incredible to find out that everybody knows Matt's story. We've been to um, Central Europe, uh, Poland, Latvia, Estonia, Hungary, Germany, uh, Israel, Taiwan, Singapore, um, Jamaica, Trinidad, uh, did I say Israel? Um, and it's just been it's just been amazing. We just we just can't get over the fact that everybody knows who Matt is and the impact it's had on them and their struggles in these other countries to try and get equality and uh, to eliminate the discrimination they have both in their private lives and in their in their careers. Well, we know, and Judy, you've said this for years and years and years, that the way to change people's minds and hearts is by sharing our stories. And the two of you have been able to do that now. And I understand there may be a trip to Russia even in the near future. Yeah, that's what's coming up this fall. Uh, looks like we may be going to Mexico over Halloween and then uh, St. Petersburg and Moscow over Thanksgiving. Amazing. Well, let's hope that it has uh, some impact there because life for LGBT people, as we know, is very, very difficult there. Judy, as you look back over the last 16 years, what are some of the things that the foundation has accomplished that you are most proud of? Well, I think without question, the one thing that, we, that, that has happened is the signing of the Federal Hate Crime Prevention Act in Matt's name in 2009, five years ago, actually. Five years ago, wow, that seems that... Um, it was, a, it was a lot of work, and we there was a time period in there when we just were sure it wasn't going to happen uh, when Bush was president. But um, we've, we've just, we hear stories all day, every day about people whose lives have changed because they've heard a story or they've read a book or they've talked to somebody who knows somebody. It's, it's really, you were right, it's really all about telling stories. Fantastic. Well, it's a very special night, and over the next hour, we're going to bring you some of the highlights of the Matthew Shepard Foundation Honors Event. Judy and Dennis, thanks for spending some time with us and enjoy the evening. Thank you, Greg. Thank you very much. Wow, what amazing people. Well, I think there's a perception out there that the Matthew Shepard Foundation is this huge entity with lots of staff and a very heavily funded operation. And the reality is the organization itself is very small. There are only three full-time employees and just a few more who work part-time in a very modest office space here in downtown Denver. We're going to talk next with Jason Marsden, who's the executive director of the Matthew Shepard Foundation and was one of Matt Shepard's friends. Hey, Jason, welcome back to the show. Happy to be here with you, Greg. Very exciting night tonight, the uh, annual Matthew Shepard Foundation Honors event. And this has been a really exciting week for the state of Colorado in terms of marriage equality. Talk about that. Yes, so uh, happy, loving, committed couples in both Oklahoma and Utah. Uh, went to their federal courthouses and asked that their constitutional rights to marry one another be recognized. They were successful, and those states decided to take it to the appeals court, which actually is located here in Denver downtown. And uh, recently the appeals court agreed that they were entitled to that freedom, and the uh, Supreme Court of the United States on Monday declined to interfere with that. So Colorado, as well as Matt's home state of Wyoming and a few other states are in the same federal circuit uh, as those states, and uh, we are bound by the same uh, federal court ruling uh, as they were. 
so our attorney general here in Colorado, uh, who had had fought uh, lawsuits that are, that were still pending here in our state, uh, dropped his opposition on Monday and decided to get out of the way of the thousands of Colorado couples who would like to marry one another. And um, by Tuesday afternoon, all 64 counties in Colorado were issuing same-sex marriage licenses. And uh, I actually, and my partner of 16 years, my husband, uh, and I went to the uh, Denver Municipal Building and stood at the counter and filled out a magical piece of paper that changes our lives and how the law recognizes us after, after all these years. So fantastic. Congratulations to you and Guy both. I, I just, it's such great news. And you've worked in LGBT activism now, obviously with a foundation uh, for many years. Talk about how significant this is to you personally, watching all of this unfold and fighting for these, these types of rights. One of the funny things about working at the Matthew Shepard Foundation is that it becomes your outward-facing work. The work here is about kids who can't come out of the closet in North Dakota because they're afraid of their parents' reaction or the school's reaction or what have you. It's about people being fired from some job that they really need in order to support their family or pay their bills. It's about all these people overseas who are in some of their countries facing you know, threat to life and limb just to exist, not even to be activists, but just to like sit in their apartment and be left alone by the angry townsfolk. So it's really easy to externalize all of those problems and watch Judy and Dennis Shepard go work with people and hear them out and give them a sense that they're being heard and talk to decision makers and talk to our donors and our funders about the importance of supporting the work and write op-eds and uh, sit for interviews um, and, and forget that you're also one of the people who are being treated unequally, and then something will happen that sort of puts in front of you that you've spent 16 years with somebody and you're still legal strangers to one another. And it really kind of brings home that the work we do on the staff at the foundation to enable all these programs to exist and keep them going and keep them growing, uh, you know, it, it serves us too. And uh, it's nice to be reminded that... Um, I'm part of the same population that uh, everybody else who's LGBT, questioning, allied, supportive, um, also is. Just because we have laws now that punish crimes motivated by hate and that allow people to get married doesn't mean that kids still aren't getting bullied, doesn't mean that the suicides rate with youth is, with LGBT youth is, is astronomical. So the work that the foundation is doing is still just amazingly important. It's so relevant. Talk about some of the things that the foundation is doing today that you think are most significant. Right. So Matt, we've been without Matt for 16 years. Uh, some of us were fortunate enough to have known him uh, obviously, all of us on the staff have a good understanding from his family and his friends who we've worked with over the years of what kind of person he was. And we're refocusing what we're doing on Matt. Matt was interested in human rights. Matt was obviously an LGBT advocate. Matt is um, a person who was a peer counselor as a youth. He was a person of faith, participated as an altar boy in the Episcopal Church, and uh, he was an HIV-positive person, and he was the victim of a hate crime. Uh, so we're looking back to Matt for some inspiration and direction. There's a million great uh, issues and causes in the LGBT movement right now, and we're about 10 people and uh, uh, six board members and a lot, of, a lot of heart and a lot of supporters, but we can't do everything. So we're trying to focus on what we can do that makes sense, that fits with Matt's story and his life, and where we can have a unique ability to inspire people and make something special happen on those issues because of the power of Matt's story and how strongly people still feel about him. So one thing that's uh, natural for us that we're beginning uh, now is to uh, in increase our effectiveness of the Matthew Shepard Hate Crime Prevention Act uh, that was signed five years ago this month. Uh, there are about 18,000 law enforcement jurisdictions in this country, about one-third of them do not report how many hate crimes happen in their jurisdictions every year, or they under-report them. 
and we're going to launch a multi-year program to convince those departments that need persuasion to go ahead and do that so that we can get our arms around how big the problem really is. We actually expect in the coming years that we may see an increase in the number of hate crimes reported every year because people who are victimized by them will report them to their local police and their local police will report them to state and federal authorities who collect this data and state and federal authorities will provide that information back to us, the public, back to the LGBT community and its advocates and to the decision makers in Congress and in legislatures who will be making the really key decisions about how much money and time and energy should we and can we put into preventing these crimes. We, we can prosecute them now, as you point out. Uh, we can get better at reporting them so that we get a better sense of how big the problem is, but the ultimate goal obviously, is these need to stop happening. There need to be no more Matthew Shepherds anymore. And our government's resources are limited, and uh, there are a lot of priorities competing for their attention, but we, we deserve to be one of those priorities, and we have a plan going forward for the next several years to start chipping away at that problem. And it, It's our belief that it will prevent crime. It will prevent victimization of people, and it will help us all understand uh, the, the scope of the, of the issue we face. And I think as you look at suicide and you look at um, health outcomes for LGBT people and all the other non-marriage issues that are out there, there's a huge and powerful LGBT advocacy community that's been very focused on the uh, marriage issue now. And we have an opportunity to harness all that energy and goodwill and momentum that's been created and apply it to all these other problems. And that's our priority at the foundation uh, in the coming year is to turn our energy back to the problems that haven't been solved yet. Fantastic. Well, we'll look forward to keeping everyone informed about this new project with Hate Crimes Education for Law Enforcement. Jason Marsden, thanks so much for spending time with us tonight, and enjoy the gala. Thanks. You, you do the same, Greg. Well, the VIP reception here at the Seawolf Center at the Denver Center for Performing Arts is just about to wrap up. Everybody's going to be filing upstairs for dinner. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with you after the dinner to bring you more from the 2014 Matthew Shepard Foundation Honors Event. Hi, this is Rick Dean, Executive Director of Face to Face. What if I told you that you could have peace of mind in just 20 minutes, and it's free? Face to Face offers free, anonymous HIV testing with results in just 20 minutes. Knowing your HIV status can be life-saving for you and those you love. Visit Face to Face in Santa Rosa. Call us at 544 544- 1581 or visit us at f2f.org ending aids in sonoma county 20 minutes at a time and if you're just joining us you're listening to outbeat news in depth here on krcb fm windsor santa rosa we're coming to you live from the 2014 matthew shepherd foundation honors event here in denver colorado dinner's just finished up and we're getting ready to start the program My son Matthew did not look like a winner. He was rather uncoordinated and wore braces from the age of 13 until the day he died. He came into the world premature and he left the world premature. They are most grateful for the time that they had to spend with Matthew. The family is very mindful of the incredible outpouring of support from across the nation. All that outpouring of generosity had to go somewhere meaningful. If the Shepherd family, through their grief, could do this work uh, and speak out and stand up against what was wrong, that everybody had that opportunity in their lives, could make that choice. The shocking murder forced the Shepherds into the national spotlight, a role they did not seek. But a year later, they've now become advocates for gay rights. We can begin today by building a safer world for all Americans, including gay and lesbian Americans. Ladies and gentlemen, the reason that I do this, the reason that I travel and speak to audiences such as yourselves, is because I don't want this to happen anymore. I keep waiting for the Laramie Project to feel historical. 
and it doesn't. I think that that has been the biggest lesson, how relevant so much of it still feels. One of the reasons that, that we are still talking about Matt is largely because of the Learning Project. I've seen people come out at Q&As and say, I have always been afraid to say this. I am gay and I have had these things happen to me. And that is such a powerful thing to see. You step back and you think, wow, what a compelling, what a poignant piece of theater. And then you think, oh my God, it's real. It's nonfiction, you know, it all happened. So. Dennis Shepard said passage of the Hate Crimes Prevention Act would be a fitting legacy for his son. We need to do this for Matthew and for everybody else. We do not want to have second-class citizens. This is not a gay rights issue. This is a human rights issue. It's been the number one thing that Dennis and I have tried to accomplish. They had told her, we've been trying to get this law passed for 30 years. It took her another 10 years, but she got it done. This afternoon, I signed into law the Matthew Shepard and James Burke Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act. Slogan of the foundation is erase hate, but for the next 48 hours, what I encourage you to do is not say the word hate. Take it out of your vocabulary. Some of the drag queens look like beauty queens, and some of the beauty queens look like drag queens. When you talk about gay people, the image that comes to mind is the village people, not the insurance salesman, or the pastor, or the policeman, or the fireman, or the grocer, or your neighbor. You have to be the role models that everybody else sees that they know and love and respect already. The country is ready for supporting an openly gay basketball player. Collins made history in Sports Illustrated with these 12 words. I'm a 34-year-old NBA center, I'm black, and I'm gay. As Collins kept his secret, he sent a small signal of unity to the gay community, choosing to wear the number 98 on his jersey to honor Matthew Shepard who was kidnapped and killed in a brutal hate crime in 1998. Jersey 98 for, for Matthew Shepard, that's why I wore Jersey 98. And also to mess with the refs, because I do have a tendency to foul a lot, but... Um, well, I cried. Uh, I thought it was such a tribute to Matt, to Matt's story, and so many other young people who are struggling. Big breaking news from the White House. This is an historic political and cultural moment in this country, and the issue, gay marriage. Uh, I think same-sex couples should be able to get married. That Defense of Marriage Act has been ruled unconstitutional. Doma is gone. He said, do you think we will ever be allowed to marry? And I said, not in my lifetime, but I'm sure in your lifetime it will happen. Ironically, it turned out to be in my lifetime and not his. <laughs> it's a wonderful day for our plaintiffs. It's a wonderful day for America. Every day is a brand new day, still, after 15 years. On to the next step. Yes. Thank you. You know, it's really hard to believe it's been 16 years. And when Matt was in college, he talked a lot about his dream of being able to change the world. Looking back now at all that's happened, and, and just this month with marriage equality sweeping through the states, I think Matt's story has changed the world in ways he could have never, ever imagined. Shortly after his death, a singer-songwriter from San Diego, California, wrote a song in tribute to Matt. I'd like to play it for you now. Here's Randy Driscoll with her original song, What Matters. You were the brightest angel Heaven had ever seen You walked in with the storm Ten thousand tongues to scream And you said Doesn't your heart beat the same as mine? Heaven, I told you a thousand times Isn't the air in my lungs the same? Who I love 
singer-songwriter Randy Driscoll with her original song in tribute to Matthew Shepard, What Matters. Let's go back to the Matthew Shepard Honors event. Judy Shepard has just been introduced and she's walking to the stage. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Oh, please. Thank you so much, everyone. Thank you for coming tonight. Thank you for your, your loyalty, your friendship. Um, I feel so blessed every time we do this event, and, and I'm just like always so happy when it's over, but thank you so much. Um, uh, if you know me, you, you, know, what I'm, you know what I mean. I, I love you all, but it's like time to go. Um, I, I, uh, I, you, y'all are having so much fun spending money. I feel like maybe I should like not be here right now. Uh, so um, thank you for that. Thank you for your generosity. It's, it's been an amazing evening with Jason and Jamie and prizes to come. And it's just, it's all wonderful. Thank you very much. Uh, and I want to throw a quick note out here that um, Jason and I will sign the teddy bears, as they said earlier, but so will Dennis, if anybody would like uh, Dennis's signature. <laughs> You have to arm wrestle him for it, but he will, he will do it. Um, we, uh, well, we have a lot to celebrate this year. Uh, last year, I thought it was pretty amazing with everything that happened in June of 2013. And I was looking at a graphic of the United States of America this morning, and it's like, 
everybody can get married. <laughs> I was like, yes. Um, we should have, you know, a few flies in the porridge, but it'll all work out in the end. And it's, we have people who just can't seem to understand that um, it's time for all Americans to have equal rights across the board in every aspect of their lives. And I'm, I'm so tired of people saying special rights, you know, whatever. It's like they don't understand what the term equality really means. Is like equal for everybody, regardless of who you love. And really, why does it matter to anybody else except you, who you love? So uh, I was just reading this morning that Orrin Hatch is all up in arms about telling people, you just can't believe this special privileges the LGBT community is going to ask for next. It's like, really? Special privileges next? Like equal housing, job protection, tax equality, marriage for everybody, adoption for everybody who wants it. Um, and now we're traveling down that road of equality, how about equal pay for women? Uh, just let my Gloria Steinem just come right out there. Um, and, we, and when we talk about issues of race, have we reached equality there? We have not. Not even on the law books, and especially in people's hearts and minds. It's appalling where we stand today in that regard. I, uh, I am a product of the 60s. You all know that. I, I kind of remember it. I'm pretty sure I was there. Um, and I remember the horrific things going on there, and I look at TV now, and it's like, haven't we gone like 60 years since that, and now we're doing it again? What, what is the story with that? Why is that happening now? There is so much suspicion and um, angst about the world, what the world is becoming today, and we don't have a single so-called enemy that we can turn to to say, well, it's all their fault. Um, when we had the Cold War, which I clearly remember, um, yeah, I am that old, uh, I clearly remember having to do the duck and cover under my school desk and thinking, I don't think this is going to work. Um, I don't think, no. I, especially since I live amongst the missile silos, I really don't think this is going to work. But we had somebody to blame everything on, and we've come so far in those years, and I feel like all of a sudden some people are turning the corner to turn around and go back to that time, when, when we just have to have somebody to blame for everything that seems to be going wrong. We have an amazing president in office right now. Yes, he's disappointed us sometimes. But for this issue, for this individual, he has been a shining star, a knight in armor who speaks for everyone uh, in social justice. We are personally crushed that we're losing uh, Attorney General Holder uh, at some point in time. He's been the best friend we could have had fighting our battles uh, with us and for us all the years since Matt was killed. He's been trying to help us get the hate crime bill passed, which, everyone, was five years ago this month. Five years. Jason mentioned earlier that we're trying to uh, set in motion uh, an initiative to require reporting of hate crimes to make people for, feel more calm and relaxed and, and understand how important it is that these crimes do get reported in a uniform, required manner so that we know where the issues are, what the issues are, and what we can do to help. I know that some cities, for example, Houston, does not want to be known as the hate crime capital of the world. However, if those hate crimes are happening in Houston, their records show like nine. It's like Houston, really nine? I don't. I don't think so. Um, if that's true, then I may want to move there. Maybe. No, I don't. Um, no, I don't. But this this requires this requires truth from uh, and and uh, commitment from the police department and from the victims themselves uh, to step out and make things known and so we can move on. Uh, Underreporting is an issue, especially in states where, guess what, you can still be fired for being gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender. One of the things that marriage will not fix, it will not fix, 
still needs to be addressed soon, immediately. Um, isn't it ridiculous that you can get married in a state but still be fired? That makes no sense to me. Uh, no sense. So we're working on the hate crime issue, trying to require uh, reporting, uniform reporting, to require to make so we really can make a difference. So this this uh, bill is more than uh, a message of of knowledge or respect uh, that we understand that it is an issue, and not just for the LGBT community, but expands the parameters for disabled and women and uh, race issues and issues of religion and ethnicity, all those things. I wish we didn't live in a society where we needed to separate people because in real life we shouldn't be separated. We are who we are. We love who we love. And the only thing that makes us different is nothing. Absolutely nothing makes us different. In the end, really, we all want the same things, to feel safe and secure in our homes and our jobs, to love and be loved in return. That's what everybody wants in their lives. Everybody. Regardless of who they love, how they love, the color of their skin, who they worship, how they worship, or if they worship. We are human beings first and foremost. And once we begin to treat each other like human beings first and foremost, equal in every way and sense of the word, and understand that some people just, they need a little step up. If we could just be there to give them a little step up, stop judging people for perhaps not achieving what you think they should have achieved. Maybe they met some encounter along the way. You have no idea what that could be. You have no idea what anyone else has gone through in their life, whether they're sitting next to you, across from you, or across the room. It's really not our place to judge anyone else. We're here to help each other to give a hand, and to make sure that our lives are lived in peace and harmony and love and respect for one another. How hard a concept can that be? Again, I want to thank you all for coming here tonight. It's, uh, I feel so blessed every time I look out at this wonderful sea of faces and know that you are making a difference in your everyday life, and you are helping us make a difference too. Thank you so, so much. That was Judy Shepard, a mother who decided to fight back and to fight not only for what was taken from her son, but for everyone here in the LGBT community. You know, her voice and Matt's story continue to change lives today, really all over the world. The Matthew Shepard Foundation honored a number of incredible people tonight, including activist Leslie Herod and Matthew's Place blogger Jamie Cruz. Professional basketball player Jason Collins was given a Making a Difference Award for his work as a role model. Now you may remember that Jason secretly wore number 98 on his jersey in memory of the year Matthew Shepard was murdered. He more recently came out as a gay man, making him the first out player on a professional sports team. And coming up to the stage now is the final honoree of the evening, actor Stephen Fry. Ladies and gentlemen, I really am absolutely bereft of words there. I just want to put one thing right, is I didn't come out in 2006. I came out when I was 17. In fact, to be honest, I think I came out when I was born. I seem to remember <laughs> looking back up and, and thinking that's the last time I'm going up one of those. Um, but... Uh, what I... <clears throat> you'll forgive my... My laryngitis, which will make my voice sound rather peculiar and, um, and go uh, husky and hoarse a little. Um, but I, um, I do have a secret to share with you, which is that I have for almost as long as I can remember been insanely in love with America for reasons that I can't quite explain. I could almost quote the Noel Coward song, I Like America. I don't know if you know it. Uh, every single scrap of it, all the sentimental crap of it. Um, um, but it, it, it was something to do with the fact that I was I brought, brought up in the remote countryside, well, by British standards, remote countryside. Um, we were, in the words of Sidney Smith, the great 18th century wit, 
simply miles from the nearest lemon. And um, I, I therefore read, and I also watched the one television my parents would allow in the house. It wasn't Downton Abbey, but it was a large-ish country house with a cook and a few servants and things, so I suppose it would seem rather extraordinary by modern standards. And so I would watch on the television films, and the films that fascinated me most were films like Mr. Smith Goes to Washington or John Ford's Young Lincoln. And they gave me an instant and extraordinarily, perhaps sentimental, view of the idea of America. And it's the only country in which you can say the idea of. You can't say the idea of Italy or the idea of Norway. They're facts, and they're charming facts and wonderful facts and wonderful to visit. But America still is an idea. And people still talk of the American dream. And I had this deep in me. I, I was moved even by those silly Warner Brothers cartoons in which the otherwise zany antics of Bugs Bunny and, and Alma Fudd were, were made almost ridiculously, mawkishly um, propaganda um, by the Liberty Bond campaigns in which you would see Bugs Bunny reading the Constitution in order to get people to buy Liberty Bonds. And I remember watching those and thinking, this is very extraordinary, we don't have this in Britain. We have other things to compensate for it, a highly comical family of bourgeois Germans who wear crowns and go around the place um, being, being amusing and divorcing and occasionally embarrassing us, but mostly being a harmless pleasure and delight. Um, we're a miserablest country. Uh, if you were to say, only in England, eh? That would mean there was a long queue for something, or that it was raining, or that there had been something very inefficient and very pessimistic and very pointless and very bureaucratic and very hopeless had happened. Whereas when you say, ha, only in America, somebody has done something remarkable like zip-wired between two enormous buildings or, or <laughs> invented something preposterous but magnificent, done something fantastically optimistic, wildly hopeless, uh, and that is a, a massive difference that I've always been aware of. And then when I came, as it were, to a more mature reflection on why this would be, it was because I realized that having been a, a youth of faith, and I'd actually gone to the local bishop, the suffragan bishop of uh, the Anglican Church, what you would call the Episcopalian Church here, um, and asked if I might consider myself for the Anglican priesthood to be a, to be a vicar or a, you know, a parson of some kind. And uh, he was a very wise man and said, well, why don't you go to university first and then see what you think? And the university... Um, um, at Cambridge, as, as Judy said, I, uh, for some, somewhere, along the, somewhere along the line, I lost my faith. Well, not my faith. I lost my faith in that particular thing. I kept my faith in humanity, my faith in reason and justice, my faith in beauty, my faith in love, my faith in friendship and kindness and curiosity and all the things that matter in the world. But I lost my faith in particular revealed text uh, as being the answer. What I loved more than anything... Um, was that strange institution that was born in the late 17th century and flourished in the 18th century. It was born of Locke and, um, then, and of Newton to some extent, and then, of course, of Voltaire and Rousseau and, and the philosopher Immanuel Kant, and we call it the Enlightenment. And um, Immanuel Kant wrote a book called What is the Enlightenment? And it's, uh, he basically explained it as being the ability to free the human soul and the human mind to make its own inquiries, free from the authority of an aristocratic, a corporate, or an ecclesiastical truth. They're allowed to think for themselves freely. And this led to other great thinkers like Thomas Paine writing the book The Rights of Man, and then the French, because they're French, overdid it somewhat with their revolution. <laughs> and they thought that the best way of expressing the, uh, the Enlightenment was simply to chop off the head of anybody uh, who wore jewellery. And, <laughs> and that only led to a fascist dictator rising from the rank of um, Corsican corporal to, to rule. Uh, as an emperor in France, which was the last thing that Voltaire and Rousseau and Diderot and the other founders of the revolution had, or at least founders of the Enlightenment, had meant. But there were other men. 
And those other men were Madison and Hancock and Jefferson, and perhaps above all my own personal hero, Benjamin Franklin. And these were men endowed with an eternal curiosity, an eternal sense, the equality and justice of man, and an eternal sense that you could found a country where freedom and equality was a natural, a given. All men are equal. They said in the eyes of God, because that's the way they spoke then. You could call them theists. Voltaire was a theist. It's not the same as being a Christian. It's not the same as being a Muslim. It's not the same as being a Buddhist. It just means they believed there might be a God. They didn't believe in any church, any given authority of any bishop or pope. The point was, each human being should be free. Free to think free to find out for themselves what the truth of the world is. And over the last 20 or 30 years, having had this fantastic idealized view of the story of America, what it's done, how it saved Europe twice, how much it's given to all of society, reaching the moon quite literally, I began to wonder in horror at where it was going. I began to see it splitting itself asunder into two camps. Those who chose to interpret the Constitution and the wonders of the Enlightenment and the Founding Fathers in the most perverse, bigoted and bizarre way. And those other, a smaller, stiller voice, but the voice of reason, whether religious or non-religious, who understood what America really was. And I began to hope fervently that this terrible crisis that was driving America into two hate-filled camps must end because the world depends upon it. Not because the world depends upon America as the police force or in the military sense, although to some extent that, of course, naturally is true. The acid, boiling hatred of ISIS is close now to the border of Turkey and a new Ottoman Empire is possible. The hideous connection between the Putinista Orthodox Church in Russia with the right-wing evangelical church in America is parachuting money into countries to stop equal rights. They tried to do it in Estonia, but two days ago, the parliament of Estonia voted for equal civil partnerships in Estonia. The, um, <clears throat> The eastmost, the eastmost country in Europe, so to do. So I accept this award, um, as others have, as Leslie said, and others have, um, uh, in the middle of an ongoing struggle, a struggle to see that the idea of America doesn't get misinterpreted, doesn't get, in some awful way, horribly distorted by those whose values are not really values at all but are filled with hatred, resentment, and a kind of weird obsession with destroying everything that America is supposed to be. I have three very valuable items that I'm on, on, on me, which I'm going to show you. This is my green card. Three nights ago in London, I was very kindly um, awarded the Lifetime Achievement Award, which is a way of saying, get off the stage, um, by the British Film Institute. And this involved being given an IWC watch of extreme value and gold. But none of them add up to the value of what is on my wrist here. That, um, that, that Dennis and Judy, who in a sense are an ordinary couple, by which one means extraordinary, because all people are extraordinary when circumstances push them towards it, could have taken something so horrific, so meaningless, and have turned it around and filled it with meaning filled it with love and hope is a miracle, a miracle. And in that spirit, I happily accept the award and your thanks. Thank you very much indeed.
What a brilliant speech from actor Stephen Fry, spoken absolutely from his heart and completely without notes. Impressive. Well, it's been an amazing night here at the 2014 Matthew Shepard Foundation Honors Event. I really wish we could have shared every minute of this incredible evening with you, but alas, our hour is up. If you'd like to learn more about the story of Matthew Shepard, about the Matthew Shepard Foundation, and how you can get involved, go to www.matthewshepard.org. And you should definitely check out Matthew's Place at matthewsplace.com. It's just an incredible resource for LGBT youth. Tune in next Sunday night for Outbeat Radio and Living Proof with Sheridan Gold and Dr. Diana Grayer. That's at 8 p.m. and only here on KRCB Radio. From the Denver Center for Performing Arts, I'm Greg Moralia. Thanks for spending your Sunday night with me. There's a wind that blows from here to South Dakota There's a fire that whips right through the sky in old Santa Fe There's a girl somewhere asleep in San Antonio And a boy that feels it out in West L.A. There's a million voices singing by the river There's a hundred lovers dancing in the sand There's a bridge that brings the two sides together And a pierce that paints the skyline of the land Pull the lights on the water The tides of change are on the seas Oh, tell all your sons and daughters No matter how you see it, what you see is love Outbeat News In Depth is produced by Greg Moralia exclusively for KRCB Radio. You can learn more and listen to our past shows on our website at outbeatnews.com or on iTunes. Follow us all month long on Facebook and Twitter for the latest LGBT news and information from here in the North Bay and beyond. Love